Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Do you know, many of us would acknowledge that life has shaped us at times, that we have become the person that we are today by the pressures, by the shaping, the molding, the things that we have experienced both in the natural, in our homes, in our families, and also in God. And God doesn't waste, like Ross preached this morning, doesn't even waste our pain. (laughs) When we go through reversals and things that happen in life, that God can turn it for good. And he can work it into under the skilled hands of the master craftsman. What starts off as a, as a little lump of clay. Did you see how that stretched? Wasn't that incredible? How big that got, that pot out of this little bit of clay with water and kneading and massaging and, and, and a bit of pressure. <laughs> and that's a bit like our lives. And I just want to speak into that tonight and about that process and about our part in that and what that could look like at the end of our lives, just what um, God's hoping to do. And uh, the process of shaping or transformation of our lives is a lot like that clay and the craftsmanship, something that God is turning your life into a beautiful piece of artwork from under his care and, and his life. And it involves... Um, removing the air bubbles, you know, it may mean squishing it back down, <laughs> removing impurities. It could, it's a process. And through that, it depends on um, the actual shape that the potter has in mind. It changes shape rapidly as the clay warms up. But the final shape and the use of that pot depends on how pliable that clay is. And so it's a lot like us. God uses the circumstances of our lives to shape us and mould us. The more teachable and responsive we are to his Holy Spirit and to his word, the quicker the transformation will take place. He works on our attitudes, our motives, our character. He removes the old ways of doing life, the things that we used to depend upon. And he brings us into a place of healing. And he heals us from the consequences of sin and develops spiritual and natural maturity in us. This is his, the ultimate goal of the transformation is that Christ be formed in us. And like Pete said, he speaks to us and he speaks through us. And he wants to, that Christ be formed in us. So that when, when people look into our lives, that they are able, reflected through our nationality, our language, our personality, the same love and power of the Holy Spirit is reflected, that Christ is seen through you. It's like the two of us working together, that we respond like the clay, he molds, he shapes, and through us, the beauty and the nature of Christ is seen. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you know, along this, the, um, the process of uh, this, once that pot, you notice he takes, there were other pots on that table. Once the pot's been formed, he puts it on the shelf for the drying stage. And, and that can be any length of time. Again, it depends on the quality of the clay and the conditions around it. 
And this, what this stage can look like in our lives is when there's a pause. When, when things just head, head, hit pause and there's nothing happening. And this can be uh, a rather frustrating stage of our life. When you're waiting for something to happen, when, when you are waiting for um, that right person to come into our life, to be a lifetime partner and nothing's happening, no one's in sight, and everything's on pause. It's, it can be extremely difficult to be, we used to call that sitting on the shelf. Sometimes there are, there are times in your life when, when you know that, that, that there's, you've, you've filled out the application, you've applied for the job, and you know in your heart, this is mine. <laughs> I know this is mine. Nothing happens. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with the waiting stages? I remember years ago, I sang in an audition in a big church. We were, well, it was a very long time ago. But um, when I, um, yeah, I suppose it would be more than 30 years ago. And I sang for this audition and all I said was, thank you very much. And I walked off and I heard nothing for seven months. And I thought, oh, they hated me. They didn't like me. It was horrible. I, I blew it. And by this time, I was seven months pregnant with Tim and so I couldn't do much singing for them <laughs> towards the end. of. They said, I oh, know we loved you. We want you in the Christmas thing. We want, we want to give you, you know, this part. And, it was a, and they said, you got the ideal voice for jazz. You'd be fantastic. And, but nobody said a thing for seven months. And in that time of waiting, I assumed the worst. <laughs> but then God gave me opportunity and a beautiful big baby boy at the end of it. And I had great times singing with that band too. But, you know, that's, there are times where, you know, it's, it's um, God, you know, what's happening during that time of drying is that there's a, um, a consult, the strengthening of that actual vessel. And what happened, the parallel in our lives is often God is cold, um, consolidating and strengthening the changes that he has already made in our character and preparing us for the future. It's actually a very important stage in our lives because it's consolidated if you can't keep going at that rapid growth rate of growth you can't keep stretching like that god wants he often has to put you aside and so to to strengthen to consolidate to to really establish you at that new level of growth that you've come into so it is a very useful although it can be frustrating it's a very useful and fruitful time of life, again, if we let the potter have his way in our lives. And, you know, Ross shared this morning, there have been other delays in our lives and postponements. When, when we, um, we really felt um, that we were ready after we finished at Budrum, we were only going to take a short time out of full-time ministry and get back in. But guess what? nothing happened <laughs> we had to wait we had to wait and it was it was a long process it was it was like two and a half nine two years and nine months later and we really felt that we were ready to get back into full-time ministry a good 12 months beforehand and and God this was the church that we came into and but ultimately God had a plan and purpose but a whole 12 months went by and we had to wait patiently and just say well God here we are, don't understand the delay, don't know why you've got us up, up on the shelf again. We, we thought we're ready, here we are. But no, we had to respond in obedience to what the, what the uh, Holy Spirit 
wanted. Uh, I could go through, uh, we've had a fairly long life already. <laughs> like we've had a lot of stuff where we've had to wait and the selling of our home was all part of that as well. And then there's um, the, the next stage where the master craftsman takes that pot and then he puts it in the kiln. Now this is where under high fire and high temperatures that there's a further strengthening and purification of that clay and then ultimately it gets ready for the use. Now, yeah, you guessed it. The, um, the parallel in our lives, <laughs> it can often be an intense time of training and again, preparation. You might be, God um, might be using a godly relationship to form godly character, a binding relationship like marriage or being a parent um, to form godly character in you. You might have a really difficult boss, a high demanding job, or you might be in Bible college. <laughs> These are times of intense firing where, where you, you just seem to be um, under pressure and it's, it's, uh, it can be all sorts of things. It can be getting knocked by a car and falling off your bike, you know. There can be times of firing where God's teaching you and uh, using the circumstances of your life. And what he's doing is, is adjusting our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do you want to do that? And he goes through our motives. He goes adjust our attitude. And in doing so, he develops godly character in us. And, uh, and the biggest, it, this, yeah, it's a testing, a testing time. And then once that pot's been fired, it's removed again and it's put on the shelf. And then there's another stage that takes place, and that's the glazing on the colouring. And that that's, involves a series of dipping that pot into, into coating it with a glazing. And that, guess what? It goes back in the fire, again, to be strengthened and to be cured and to, be, to look at the final product, depending again on what the master craftsman has in mind and the quality and the response of the clay to this treatment, its final use is made known. So you can have, and there's, that can be a period, again, depending um, from, from whether it ends up being a pot that we, we put plants in in the garden, or whether it goes through the process and the refining, the dipping, the colouring, the, the, all the way through to the fine bone china stage, where it can be hand-painted and sold for thousands of dollars, <laughs> a little piece of china, fine bone china, that, that will stand the test of time and will still actually increase in value as the years go by. And it all depends on the process, the response, and, and, how, and how, um, what the craftsman has in mind. So it, it's a, it's a, a combination of, of, um, of ideas from the craftsman and response and um, willingness uh, from, from, the, from us, I, I guess, as people. And then there are times when these, these stages of intensity, it can develop in you what we, what we know as sacrificial love. When, when you're able to the maturity that develops under these times of, of, 
uh, the process of glazing and, and refining, then you, you might be put in a situation where you become a carer for an elderly relative. And then all of a sudden, all of your, your, um, your desires, your will, your, everything just goes out the window. <laughs> you, you are serving that person. As, as, they, as they need your particular care and, and attention. And then you may be um, put in a situation where, where you, you have a baby and you've got to get up and feed that baby and change it during the night and it's crying and it's like, I don't want to get up anymore. I'm tired. Just sleep. And the weeks go by and the baby keeps crying and you've got to get up. Because guess what? That's, that's the stage you're in. Ross and I call that Nappy Valley. And then you just get through and then you have another one. And then you just get through that and you have another one. But in the process, you develop, um, you go beyond natural love. You develop sacrificial love. And you're, you're able to, any parent that's had a really severely disabled child, they are, they are just like gems. We had a lady in our church at Budrum. And her name was Lynn. And uh, she had, and Graham, they had a severely disabled child. Um, she was normal mentally, but her skin um, just peeled and peeled and peeled. It was like she, it used to split and bleed. And, and they didn't expect her to live at all. And it was through the care and the love and attention that these devoted parents had for this, for this little girl that she lived to be 26 and she was the longest living person in the whole world. It's a bit lonely, but she worked, um, she actually worked for the phone shop at Marit Network. You used to talk to Shelley? Yeah, she was a gem and, and Shelley was in constant pain and she, she would walk on these little club feet and you'd say, how are you Shelley? And she'd say, good. She was always good. She was always happy. She was always bright. And, but what I saw develop in, in Lynn and Graham was this sacrificial love that I'm talking about. That the depth of maturity from this couple was phenomenal. And I used to just stare at them sometimes because, um, not to be uncomfortable, but I just was amazed by them. And I thought, God, I don't know why she was born like that. I don't know why. They had normal other children that didn't have this condition. It just happened. And that's the life that we live in. There is suffering in this world. There's bad stuff happens to good people. But it's how we handle it. And what was shaped in them was refined under fire is pure gold. And that beautiful, beautiful nature of Christ. So that when we looked at it, Christ was being formed in them. And when the, when the father looks at them, he sees his own reflection coming back through our lives. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So when we give our lives to Christ, this transformation process begins. The shaping of our lives. And it, he has a plan for every single person he's created. Every single person in this whole world. And it's a good plan. And he wants to give us, he's also given us a free will to choose and to respond to that call and direction. And as we often sing, he is a good father. 
And he wants to do the best for you. He has the best in mind for you. Transformation is a process. It's not just an event. Hear me carefully. Transformation is a process. It's not just an event. When we give our lives to Christ, we are justified through faith. We are cleansed and purified. And then the, this, the, the process of sanctification takes place where he molds us and he shapes us and he works on our attitudes and our motives. And the things that have tripped us up in the past, when that clay, it needs to have the impurities taken out of it or it will never survive the kiln. Once you, all the lumps, that it will ex- actually explode in the kiln if there's air bubbles left in that clay. And all that pushing and squashing and moulding is for the clay to become the most refined pot that it could be. <laughs> and it's like that with us. And as painful as it might be for God to say, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to, to hang out with those people anymore. I, I want you to stop doing that. You know, it's removing those, those impurities and the things that will trip you up later on or drastically reduce what your life could accomplish. Because he's got a purpose in mind for you and it depends on how we respond to that. Anywhere along the stage, you can stop this process. But my goodness, what a loss that would be. What a loss. But as we keep giving and we, um, this transformation begins, we keep responding, God starts to do his beautiful work, forming Christ in us so that the world may see and have hope. Christ is the desire of nations. We have this treasure. I want to look at 2 Corinthians and verses 4 to 7. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure, the treasure of Christ within us. The Bible calls us jars of clay. And here we have it. And that it's the purpose of it is so that the power of God may be seen in and through us. God wants us to become the person he intended us to be and to also reflect the nature and the beauty of Christ that enhances our personality, that enhances who he has designed us to be, regardless of our our nationality, our language, our age. He refines us as individuals to allow his power to flow through us. It depends on how pliable we are in his hands and how responsive we are to his shaping. Let's have a look at Romans 12 and verse 2. And part of this this transformation, it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And in the message it says, Embrace what God does for you. That's the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you to, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God 
You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The scripture here is calling us to be transformed, not conformed. Now, Jesus says that the word of God, he will transform our thinking through his word. He transforms our heart, our behavior through intimacy in relationship with him. He transforms our character Godly through godly fellowship and example of godly leaders and friendships. This is our lifestyle. These are three really important areas that we found that have helped us to respond to God in this process of transformation. Through his word, letting his word wash you. When you notice that when I whenever I'm preparing for a sermon, I spend a bit more time than normal. I know this is confession time in the Word, but I can really feel it actually doing me good. That you can literally feel the good, the Word of God washing you and renewing your mind and, and just clearing away the static. It's just, it's good. It's a good thing to do. And it really helps to renew your mind and your understanding of who you are. He transforms our heart and our behavior through intimacy and worship. We have had an awesome day in God's presence this, this whole day. Tonight with Matt leading, it was just gorgeous. It was just amazingly anointed this morning with, with Emma and, and um, Rachel and like the girls. It was just so powerful, just so powerful. And that, that sort of level of intimacy, it does something in our spirit, transforming. And there's also a transformation takes place um, through our fellowship, through those that we invite into our lifestyle and the lifestyles that we get involved with. And this is where it gets, it gets a bit, you start to see a, a parting away. And that's what this scripture was saying. Don't be just so conformed to the, the culture around you, but be transformed. Bill Johnson says, um, a quote from him, he says, We are never relevant because we mirror the culture the world around us. We are relevant when we become what the world is longing for. Some people believe that in order to change culture, we first need to mirror it. But this only waters down the gospel and leads to disappointment for people who are honestly searching for more. We have an ability to live a lifestyle that all of humanity is longing for. All of humanity was created to enjoy fellowship with God and to function in his and to function in his image and likeness. When we model a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, we show the world who the Father is and open the way for people to find Christ, who is the desire of all nations. Haggai 2:7 says that Christ is the desire of all nations. Whenever I see that big statue of Jesus over Rio, you know, just reaching out, you know, there, this, this is a, an area that modern-day church 
we need to just be so, we need to teach into this, we need to understand this, we need to know what our response to this is, what God is molding and shaping his church into his beautiful bride and we need to respond and to allow him to lead us and to teach us and to bring us into the, the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light is going to become brighter and clearer as time goes on. Do you know, we were watching videos, Pete and I and them, during the week, looking for this song that we're going to sing later. And we looked at a video of the potter's hand of, at Hillsong. And it's probably only about 18 years old. But my goodness, how things have changed in 18 years. The guys are there with ties on, short back and sides, shirts tucked in and looking slick. And, and they're like, yeah, it's in 18 years. And the, and the choir was in, had robes with gold stuff around the edges. And it just looked so formal. And they all swayed in time like this. And it was just, I'm thinking, that's how fast things have changed. I mean, the song is still beautiful and relevant. But, you know, when you look at, can we, you look back on life, I can see that things have changed a lot. And, and it's sad to say that the church traditionally is like about 20 years behind the world. And if we keep that up, we're going to be a long way away from the truth of God's word if we keep following the world's trends and its lifestyle and behavior. Think about it. You've only got to be out by a couple of millimeters, like if you're navigating a plane through the air and you could just overshoot the whole runway and miss the whole city because we have to be so careful here that what we are, the world teaches situational ethics in, the, in our education standards, in our schools and our universities. They don't have any moral compass. Situational ethics is decided on personal happiness, what seems right to you in the, in the situation, what's commonly accepted in that time and that era, and what also can bring a profit. We don't have situational ethics as Christians and believers. We have a, the Word of God that acts like a moral compass. It gives us like bookends, if you like. It gives us perimeters and boundaries in which to conduct our lives. And it gives us a safeguard against popular opinion that's not scriptural. And if it gives us God's word when it's, it not only renews our mind and adjusts us as individuals, it actually gives us a blueprint to live. If we act like the world around us, that's going to be, we are not going to be reflecting Christ. If we adopt its values, if we adopt its standards, if we don't have those, those boundaries that the Word of God put into us, if we buck that and say, oh, that's just old-fashioned, I don't think that's okay for your, my parents' era, but we're, we're more sophisticated now, we're more modern, we're more clever. Every generation has thought they were the clever ones. We did. We thought we were the best generation ever. We found that you guys come along and we did, you know. But there was, you know, we can't use natural reasoning to form our opinions. 
and, and what shapes our lives when it comes to boundaries that are connected to our our families, our how we how we can how we do life in our in, in our ethics and our moral values have got to come through the Word of God, and it's also very comforting and strengthening because you're not just coming up with your own ideas. You've got the Word of God giving you those perimeters and and boundaries there, because the Word of God. It acts, it says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says the word of God is, is, is active and it's alive and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I know that over the years, giving my life to Christ was the best thing I ever did. And allowing him to shape and to remove the impurities um, has been the best experience. Over my life, uh, 39 years I've been a believer, there have been many times I have felt on that potter's wheel. I've felt that pushing and that stretching and enlarging. I think I can't get any bigger. And he was like, I haven't finished yet. <laughs> and, and then being put aside and wait and wait and wait. And then being only to be put in a fire and a fiery trial. But then there comes these times when he fills you and he adds to you another gift. And he will coach you, in other words. He will, he will give you this, this beauty for ashes. He puts on you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He gives you life where there has been death. And out of you, Christ is being formed. And it's reflected. You have a look around. We are all unique, one of a kind people. We none of us have the same same fingerprints. And through you, Christ is formed and is reflected to the world around us. And he shows himself and makes himself real to people who need him. We're going to um, have a song in a moment. Um, perhaps we could do that now. And it's simply called um, The Potter's Hand. And when I was standing there just in a time of worship and I was just praying, I was like, Lord, is, is there anything you want to say to me? How does this work? And I was trying to understand what's our part, what's his part. How can we best respond to him? And I saw the Garden of Eden, and it was empty. And I saw Father God come down and scoop a handful of dirt out of the ground, and he breathed into it his spirit. And then I saw Adam being formed on the ground. And then I felt the Lord say to me that we have made you, all humankind, in our image and likeness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he breathed life into us. And each individual person, as unique as you all are, still has the breath of life breathed into us. An eternal spirit was born that day. You are more than flesh and blood. We are more than just a clay life with skills and abilities. 
you have an eternal soul that will live in either heaven or hell, depending again on our life's choices and what we do with Jesus. And the sacrifice that he made on the cross was to make a way for us to come into his kingdom. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of this world with its situational ethics and its its culturally what's acceptable, slowly shifting towards goodness knows what. What I heard this week, where the world is heading, legalizing around the world, you know, we don't want to go there. Church, we do not want to follow the world, whether we're 20 years behind it or not. We have to say, this is where it stops. I have the boundaries and the perimeters I have is because God breathed into me and gave me an eternal soul that is meant to carry this beauty. What was it? We have this treasure in earthen vessels of clay so that the glory of God will be seen by a world that desperately needs it. We were created. God breathed into you an eternal soul. You are not just here today, gone tomorrow, and that's it. Your soul and your spirit lives on because you were designed by the master craftsman. He created you individually with beauty and intention in mind. But I believe also as Christians, it's so easy to conform to the culture of the world around us. It's so easy to... It's hard to, at times to be thinking, no, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I believe tonight that as, as Emma sings this song, that there's a response in our hearts that says, Lord, you are my beautiful Savior. All I want to do is respond to you and let you mold me and shape me. Feel me, lead me, walk beside me. I give my life to the potter's hand. And there's this, there's this a moment, a holy moment, where I've done this this week. And I know you are, you are hungry. I know there's people here that you want what God wants for you. You want to take the next step of faith. And he's just saying, you're right where I want you to be. Keep responding. Well done. Being faithful and being obedient is all I'm asking. I will make you fruitful. I will make you into who you are and who I intended you to be because you are intended to be a vessel fit for honor. He has a high purpose for you. Don't settle to be a pot in the garden when you could be a pot that people admire for generations. You could go on and your life inspire people for generations. Depending on how we respond, to the master's hand. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.